lady called Mary. One day, Mary saw a bright light. She had to cover her eyes because it was so bright. The bright light was an angel. The angel gave Mary a message from God. She said she was going to have a baby. Just a few weeks before her baby was ready to be born, Mary had to travel a long way to a town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem. She had to walk very slowly because she had a baby in her belly. When Mary got to Bethlehem, all the hotels were full. She had a place in the barn where the animals sleep. <laughs> Dog and cow and cow. <laughs> I like giraffes. That night, Mary's baby was born. It was Jesus. She laid him in a manger to sleep. Jesus was a special baby, and God wanted everyone to know that Jesus was born. Most of the people in Bethlehem were asleep. But there were some shepherds in the fields looking after the sheep. God said, want some of the angels to send the shepherds and tell them about baby Jesus. The shepherds were so excited that they ran to the barn to see Jesus. God also put a giant star in the sky. Like a big birthday candle for baby Jesus. So wise men were looking at the sky and they saw the special star. They followed the star all the way to baby Jesus. What? When they saw him, to tell Jesus they were spe- he was special. We live happy Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us uh, on this Christmas Eve. And didn't the kids and the video team, didn't they do a great job? Like, just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, one of the values that we have here at The Jar is children. We really, really value our kids. We want them to be loved and uh, to have experiences where they can grow uh, closer to God and be connected uh, within our celebration. And so uh, one of the things that I'd like to do right now is to actually go ahead and pray uh, for our children. Uh, And so if you're a child, go ahead and stand up. Uh, We had some adults earlier that did that. So go ahead, uh, stand up. And I'd like the parents to stand with them so they're not standing by themselves or a guardian, or a grandparent, whoever. And uh, parents, if you could, just go ahead and put your hand on the shoulder of uh, the child. And for those of you on the stream, I hope you'll do this as well. Uh, go ahead. This will be a great moment just with you and your child. And let's go ahead and uh, let's pray for our kids right now. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for every single child in this auditorium today and on the stream. And we know, God, that you love each of them and they are so very close to your heart. We pray, God, that you would bless them this Christmas. We pray, God, that as a new year comes, 
that you would protect them, you would keep them safe, you would help them to grow closer to you. And I ask God that most of all, that they would know that they are loved and that you are so very, very proud of them. God, I pray that you would be with each parent, each grandparent, guardian, that as they raise them, God, you would give them strength to be able to do that in a way so that they grow closer to you. God, give them energy for this season and for this next year. God, we thank you and praise you for each child here in the auditorium and on the stream. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand for all of our kids again. And uh, so glad they're here. Okay, just by a show of hands and everyone on the stream, go ahead, join us as well. How many of you would say that you're a planner? Just raise your hand if you're a planner. Okay. And you're probably the person who had all your Christmas shopping done at, by the end of the summer, right? Like it was all done, everything, Amazon came, uh, God uh, blessed you with planning. Now, how many of you have not started shopping yet? Raise your hand. Okay, go ahead. There are a few. Why are you here? Like, um, you should leave right now. Those of you on the stream, uh, come back and watch it later. Just, just go because you're in big trouble right now because there are things that you are not going to be able to get. Well, whether you are a planner or not, uh, whenever life kind of goes a different direction than you planned, you can become very overwhelmed. And today, I have a feeling that some of you are facing some things in your life that you didn't plan. Maybe some of you are facing a medical battle that you haven't planned. Maybe some of you are facing a financial issue that you didn't plan. Maybe you're dealing with a child that has rebelled in a huge way and it's something you didn't plan. Maybe you're going through a divorce or a separation this Christmas and you didn't plan it. Maybe you're sitting around the Christmas table later today and there'll be an empty chair Because someone that you thought would always be there is no longer. It's something that you didn't plan. Again, folks, whenever things happen that we didn't plan, we can become very overwhelmed. We can become kind of rattled in our faith. We can begin to start asking some questions of God like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? God, why is this taking place? God, this is not what I had planned. And some of you are there, and it's something that you had not planned. You know, if you think about it, the whole Christmas story is a story about things that weren't planned. It starts off, first of all, with a teenage girl by the name of Mary, and she becomes engaged to a guy by the name of Joseph. And they're a young couple, and they are like crazy in love. They like are lovey-dovey-lovey, lovey, and they're the kind of people that just like stand by each other all the time, like, get closer. No, 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 no. You get closer. Let's get real close. Let's hold hands. Let's be together. They're always looking at each other's eyes, and they're always like, ooh, la, la, I love you, I love you, mm-hmm. 
And there's like, they are into each other and they're engaged. And if you've ever been engaged before, you know, one of the things that engaged couples do is they start planning for their future. And so one particular day, uh, Mary is like getting ready for her wedding and she's like getting all the bridesmaids together. And she's like, oh, I like this color. Oh, I like that one. Oh, that looks good. Oh, girl, you don't want to wear that because that's going to make you look fat. Don't want don't, no, no bow up there. Don't put the bow there. And so they're going through all of this stuff and they're trying to figure out. And Mary's all excited when all of a sudden she has an encounter with God that is holy and amazing and overwhelming. An angel of the Lord comes to her and says, you have been chosen. You are going to have a son. And Mary's kind of like, uh... Well, I don't know if you know this, but Joey and I, like Joey and I have not quite like done the, you know, like Joey and I, like we haven't, I mean, we're engaged, but we haven't got married yet. And then the angel says, oh, I know that. Um, It's no problem. You are going to conceive this child through the Holy Spirit. Now. I want you to know that most women at this time would say something like this. Say, what? The holy what? But Mary is so close to God and she loves God so much. And they are so connected with one another that she says, this is great. This is awesome. Look what gets to happen. You know what? I can't wait to tell Joey. Oh, I just want to tell Joey like right now. And so she's like, he's going to be so excited. He's going to be just like head over heels, like into this thing. And he's going to be beside himself. And so she goes to Joey. She gets all excited. She's like, come on, Joey, guess what? I'm pregnant. Now, time out for a second. Okay. We're going to take a vote. How many of you think that Mary was excited or freaking out, or Joseph was excited or freaking out. How many think Joseph was excited? How many of you think Joseph was freaking out? Yeah, he's freaking out. He's like, what? You're pregnant. You pregnant? I can't believe it, girl. What are you doing? Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to take the Holy Spirit out. I'm going to kill the Holy Spirit. I don't care who it is. I'm going to take him out. And all of a sudden, there's like this, This anger that comes out of him and he's freaking out. And I'm telling you, at this point in the story, folks, it hits the fan. Hits the fan. And look at what it says. Verse 18, chapter 1. This is what the story says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, guess what? The plans change. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, he's so upset and he's angry, but pretty soon he just gets hurt. And this is what it says, the results in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So what do we know? Joseph's crushed. 
He's devastated. He's humiliated. He's brokenhearted. He's thinking to himself, man, now I got to go tell my parents. And I got to tell all of my friends. And in this culture, he would be humiliated in ways that you can't even imagine. And he's like, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to deal with this. But you know what he's most upset about? He's upset with the fact that Mary put him down. He said, man, I thought this was going to be the one. I thought we were going to be together forever. And he trusted her. And he thought that God had brought them together, but she's cheated on him now and he's done. And he looks up to God and he's like, God, this was not what I had planned. Now, think about Mary's perspective at this time. Mary is like, God, I said yes to you. I did exactly what you told me to do. I I was willing to do whatever you asked. I I went ahead and I did this. And look what's happened now. Joseph wants nothing to do with me. He's going to leave me. And then she starts thinking about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my future? I'm now going to be a single mom who's divorced. And I'm going to have to raise this child all by myself. And in the midst of all of this... I am going to be humiliated in ways you can't even imagine. My parents are going to kick me out of the house. In that culture, she would have been ostracized from everyone. More than likely, the rest of her life, she would be a beggar begging for other people to meet her financial needs. No one's going to hire someone like Mary. And can you imagine the rumors? Did you hear about Mary? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm... I'm so glad she's leaving our town because she is horrible. How could anyone do what she's done? And Joseph wants absolutely nothing to do with her. You want, I think Mary's thinking at this time too. God, I said yes to you. This is not what I had planned. This is not what I had planned. God, I said yes to you. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I was willing to go to Joseph and tell him. And now look what happened. This isn't fair. This is not what I had planned. You know, this is exactly where some of you are at right now. You're going through something in your life that you haven't planned. And it's overwhelming, and it's some pain attached to it, and there's some hurt. And you've had some moments where you're crying out like, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Why is this happening, God? And it's rattling your faith, and you're just like, I don't even know if I want to come Christmas Eve because I'm not so sure because there are some things in my life that are happening happening that... I had not planned. And God, why is this going on? So what do you do? What do you do when plans change? What do you do when you need to remember that plans change? What do we need to remember when there are a change of plans? 
Well, this kind of leads us to our only idea today, our big idea. And you can fill it out in your program or on the app, and it's this. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. One of my uh, favorite verses is found in Proverbs 19, and it says this. Many are the, what's the next word? Many are the plans. We all have plans. Many of us have plans. But it is the Lord's, what's the next word? Yeah, purpose that prevails. Folks, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Well, Mary and Joseph, they're wrecked. They're overwhelmed. Their their dream of what they thought their life was going to be like has changed. It is shattered. And so Joseph does the only thing that he knows to do. And he goes ahead and says, I'm just going to divorce Mary. And then we read in verse 20. But after Joseph had considered this, divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph is like, what? Like, this is really true? And the angel is like, yes. And then verse 21, it gives us the purpose. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. What's the purpose again? He will save the people from their what? From their sins. And then it says, if Joseph is kind of saying, you're telling me like God's in this? Like God's in the middle of this whole thing? You're telling me that the last thing I ever wanted to happen, God actually has a purpose for it. There is actually purpose in the pain that I'm going through. Folks, you don't have to understand the plan to trust God, to trust that God has a purpose. Now, let me unpack this a little bit from my own life. Uh, growing up, the only thing I wanted to be is one of the 12 basketball high school players for the Marion Giants. The Marion Giants were the team that was the team of all ages. They won three state championships in a row twice. And I was like, I want to be a Marion Giant. And so from the age of five to six, I practiced all the time. We had a gravel. That's really hard to dribble a ball, by the way. Uh, If you have gravel, get your kid like asphalt. Like, I don't know what you have to do, but do something different. My dad was like, ah, you'll become better by doing that. The ball will go off your hands a lot. And so that's what we did. And so we, we practiced on the gravel. And uh, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And I made my middle school team. And I started on it. And I went to all these different basketball camps. And in the eighth grade, I went to the Bill Green basketball camp. Bill Green was a legend in high school basketball in Indiana. And I went to the camp. And he's like, man, you're, you're really good. I think you're going to make the team. 
And so that eighth grade summer at the beginning of the summer, I was like so excited. I came out of the camp. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I get to the end of the summer. It's August. My dad comes to me and my dad's a pastor. And my dad comes to me and he says, I feel like God has called us to leave to go to Anderson. And I said, you need to pray again. Like, I think you got the wires crossed or something ain't quite right, but you need to do something else. And I remember being so angry and upset. And I was like, God, this isn't fair. God, this is not what I had planned. So we moved to Anderson. I didn't know anyone. I tried out for the basketball team and I made it. And I continued to make it through my senior year, and I was able to play. And I'm telling you, folks, I was a stud. You can tell. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't want to say anything, but first celebration, they clap for me. So um, just, no, 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 no. But I had a great high school experience. I loved it. And this is what you learn as an adult. I look back on it now, and I'm like, I would have never made that basketball team at Marion. They had five guys that were all uh, Division One. I. I was not Division I material whatsoever. But because of something that was a change of plans, it gave me a whole different trajectory. You know, when I was in college, I really was hoping to go to a big university. That's what I wanted to do. And uh, my SAT score was so bad that I couldn't get in. And so I had to go to a really small school that felt bad for me. And I ran track. And so there was some kind of help there a little bit and some help with my dad, who was a pastor because it was a small little school. And I went to that school and I was so excited. And then I fell into deep sin. I mean, deep sin. Like, I partied all the time. There were things that I did that were not God-honoring whatsoever. My life was just out of control, out of balance. And everything was just going downhill. And in my junior year, I met this girl named Jennifer, who actually looked beyond my arrogance and beyond my party-hearty mentality. And she was very patient. And she loved me back into a relationship with Jesus, and then she and I actually got engaged, and then we got married, and now she can't keep her hands off of me. <laughs> it's embarrassing, folks, but it's true. I mean, she just, she can. And you know, we went ahead and we went on two kind of journeys where I became a pastor, and she went to medical school to be a doctor, and then, uh, Things continued and then stuff changed because she was here in Muncie and I was in Flora, Indiana, near Lafayette, and she went through a horrible depression and she was ready to quit. And we thought, hey, this is it. We're going to get out of this whole medical thing. And then she got transferred, though, to where I was living near uh, Lafayette, Indiana, and things changed. And we were together, and she finished medical school, and then we moved back here to Muncie. She said, I'll never go to Muncie. And we came back here to Muncie, and she did her residency, and I went to theology school. And we fell in love with this community. 
in this county, in this whole East Central Indiana. We loved it. And we finally were like, hey, we're going to actually start a church. And I had no idea what I was doing. Still, I don't most of the time. But I was like, man, God's going to bless us. We're going to do something. We met with six people and and everything kind of changed, too, because then all of a sudden we were meeting in homes. I always thought we'd be in homes and then something opened up at the Y, and we went to the Y, and then everyone left, and we were down to eight people, and we thought, this thing is not going to work. And then all of a sudden, God kind of blessed it, and we stayed at the Y and grew it, and then we moved here to the Civic, and, and God's done something amazing. And the reason you're in the seat that you're in today is because God changed a lot of different plans. Plans changed because he had a bigger purpose. He had a bigger purpose. Folks, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm kind of glad that God interrupts my plans. Sometimes, sometimes things get interrupted that I think, and it brings about a different purpose. I mean, in those times, I may not understand it, and I may be fighting, I may be upset and confused by it, or I might be hurting in the middle of this whole deal. And years later, though, I can often go back to it, and I'll look at it and be like, I wouldn't have wanted to do that. I hated that I had to go through this. I'll never go through that kind of thing again. But God had a purpose even in the midst of that. You don't have to understand the plan to trust That God has a purpose. And this was true for Mary and Joseph as well. You see, Mary is pregnant with the Son of God. And you think at this point that everything is going to be smooth sailing. But it's not like that. A census is taken and they have to leave where they're at to go to a town called Bethlehem. And Joseph doesn't make a lot of money, so he's like, well, i got to get this donkey. And he gets his donkey. And he says, Mary, this is what we're going to put you on. And we're going to take you miles and maybe days to actually get there. And he starts, like, dragging the donkey around. And at this point, I mean, Mary is ready to kill Joseph. Because she's nine months pregnant, and now all of a sudden, she's getting ready to go into labor, and she's like, finally, we made it. Now, you made reservations, right? And Joseph, like many guys, are like, oops. Uh, like, you mean like, I mean like a place where I can have this baby. No, we didn't. And this was his thought. Well, I saw a cave that was kind of over there, and so we can go to this cave, and uh, I think it'll be really nice. And she gives birth to this baby in a cave with all of these farm animals around. And there's no epidural, and there's no music that I picked out that was going to be calming to me. There was no midwife. There was none of this. And she has the baby. And at that point, you think to yourself, well, this is going to be happily ever after, right? Wrong. The king of the land, a guy by the name of King Herod, wants to kill her son. And just think about that. These are real people. This is a real mom. This is a real dad. And now they are going to leave everything they know. And they're a family who's on the run. 
It's like any of these shows that you ever watch on television. It's a family on the run and they're heading to Egypt. They're living in houses and caves and all different places that will hide them away from someone killing their son. Now, fast forward 33 years. And Mary is standing at the foot of a cross. And she's like, God, I said yes to you. But now I'm looking. And I can't believe what I'm watching. My son has been stripped naked. They've taken nails and put it through his wrist and through his feet. They put this crown of thorns on his head. His body is so bruised and bloody, it's hard to even recognize that he is a human being. And Mary, who said yes to God, is crying out, God, this is not fair. He doesn't deserve this. He did nothing wrong. He did everything right. And why is this happening to my son? And then Jesus eventually bowed his head, hanging on the cross, breathed his last. And he died. Mary's looking up at this cross. Going, no. Not my baby. That's my baby. In verse 21. We're going to look at it in a second. And the problem is, folks, is that you can't understand how powerful Christmas is unless you know the change of plans. I mean, folks, put yourself there. I mean, these are real people dealing with real issues, with real agony, and now the plans have changed. Mary and Joseph had plans, God had a purpose. Mary and Joseph had plans, but God had a purpose. Mary and Joseph had plans, but God had a purpose. Mary and Joseph had plans, but God had a purpose. And some of you might be wondering, well, what was the purpose? I mean, you just gave us a description of him dying on the cross. What was the purpose? You want to know what the purpose was? The purpose was you. The purpose was you. The purpose was you. The purpose was everybody in the balcony. The purpose was every single person person on the stream. You are the purpose of why we celebrate this Christmas day. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. And you, each one of you, You are the purpose. And like I said earlier, in verse 21, it tells us, maybe you didn't see it the first time, but it says this. Mary will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Why? And here's the purpose. You are the purpose. Because he will save his people from their sins. So this Christmas, if you're sitting there and you've had a change of plans, you're going through something right now. It's so difficult. 
You're facing something right now that you did not plan. And you're crying out to God going, God, this isn't fair. Why is this happening? Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. And his purpose was you. You see, folks, when you're crying out to God and you're like, it doesn't make sense and I'm rattled by my faith. And why, God? I I had a plan and now it's getting changed. Always remember this. That God is always working upstream in ways that you cannot see. He is working in ways that you cannot see. Because even though you don't understand the plan, you don't have to understand the plan to know and to trust that God has a purpose. You know, Mary and Joseph had a plan. They were going to go away, be by themselves, have their own little boy by themselves. But you know what, folks? I am so glad that God had a purpose. And you know what the purpose was? The purpose was you. And 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 the purpose was every single person on the stream. You are the purpose for why we celebrate this day. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for sending your one and only son to leave heaven to come to earth. I pray right now, God, for people in this auditorium, for people who are on this stream, who are experiencing something right now that is a change of plans. For some of you, you're experiencing some medical issues that are a change of plan. Some of you have somebody in the hospital right now, and it's a change of plans. Some of you are dealing with some financial stuff that is so difficult, no one else knows. It wasn't supposed to be this way. There's a change of plans. For some of you, you're experiencing right now the process of going through a separation or a divorce. It wasn't supposed to be this way. There's a change of plans. For some of you, you have a child that is walking away. It wasn't supposed to be this way. There's a change of plans. For some of you, you have someone who is not here this Christmas. There's an empty chair at the table. And there's a change of plans. This is what I want you to know. You are not alone. God never leaves anyone alone when the plans change. He walks with them and he reminds them, I have a purpose for you. Even though you don't understand the plan, you need to know that you can trust that God has a purpose.
I have a feeling right now that for some of you, maybe you're here because you sense something drawing you here. Maybe someone got on you and said, come on, it's Christmas Eve, you got to come. But now you're here and God actually wants to do a new work in your life. And he's drawing you and you're sensing that you're like, you know what, I need to turn it around. I, I drifted away. I need to drift back to God today. There was a time in my life I was really close to God. There was a time where I made church a priority and now I've just kind of backed away. But man, all the plans that I have right now, they need to change because things are changing in my life that I can't control and there's so much pain and there's hurt. And maybe what you need to know today is there is someone who has a purpose for your life that is greater than what you can see right now. And he wants you to commit to him, to make a relationship with him. And you say, no, 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 I've drifted too far. I've done too much. Folks, there was a time in college I thought to myself, there is no way that there is a God in heaven who would want anything to do with me. And I was wrong, dead wrong. God accepts us as is, and he takes us on a new journey if we will simply turn to him. And today, for some of you, I hope today you'll say, yep, that's me, Chris. You're talking to me right now. It's my life, my one and only life. I don't want to do it the way I've been doing it. I want newness in my life today. And the way you do that is you call out to the God of the universe and you say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need a second chance. I need a newness to come. I need the hope of heaven that if I woke up tomorrow, that I would have this hope that on Christmas Day, I know that there is a God in heaven who loves me and I have an eternal home with him. And how do you do that? It's not by doing a lot of hoops and rules and regulations. It's about simply giving your life to him by simply saying a prayer of saying, God, I want you in my life. And right now I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer if you feel comfortable to do so. You're not going to do it by yourself. We'll do it together in community. But I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me, eyes closed, no one looking around, no one thinking about the person beside you, but what is it that you could give your one and only life to him today? And so I simply ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you were born, died, and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so that I could know you, that I could serve you, and I could feel your presence in my life. Help me follow you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I just want you to know that if you said that prayer for the first time, that all of heaven is celebrating with you today. Everyone in heaven is like, yes! And I want to give you just a very small sample. It's kind of minuscule compared to what heaven is doing. But I'd like to celebrate by all of us giving a hand to everyone who made that commitment today to give their life to Christ. To be able to do that. And maybe you recommitted your life today and you're like, man, I'm, I'm in. I want to give my one and only life to Christ. And so if that's you... 
on your connect card on the back side of it there is a little square that says i accepted christ today you can just check that for those of you that are on the stream uh just go to any of our hosts uh to that link and chat with them they'll help you in any way that you can as well we're excited for you also and so just want to encourage you to do that you can do it on the app and uh, hold on to that card i'll tell you what to do with it here in a little bit um, but if you did that, uh, please do that because I want to I want to pray for you over the holidays. I will. Each card I get, I'll, I'll pray for you guys that God's working in you. Whatever is difficult in your plan, that he has a purpose for you and that you are not alone. That we'll we'll pray and intercede for you in the midst of whatever it is that change of plan that you have. Now, this is the thing. Every single one of us have good intentions at the end of the year to be able to say something to someone that we love but sometimes what happens is christmas comes we get so overwhelmed and we just forget to say anything and we go on to the rest of the year and we don't say it so what we're going to do here in just a moment is that uh, caleb and the band are going to close us in silent night and what i'd like you to do is to take a moment to actually go to any of the people that are around you who you know and uh, that is family and that you would give them some act of love and kindness or affirmation to them for some of you maybe that's a handshake in your family others a high five maybe for others of you it's a hug in my family they're a kissy like my parents like kiss me like 50 years old don't kiss me on the lips anymore my mom's like get over here thank god she doesn't have false teeth you know what i mean like it's, it could be weird now, this is what I want to say, too, that we only have one rule when you do this affection here in a second. And it's this, that you do not touch any stranger. You're a stranger danger. We don't want you to do anything with anyone that you don't know or you didn't come to church with that you don't know. So what we want you to do right now is to do these acts of affection of love to the people that you love, who are important to you, who you need to do that to, to give these words as we close out with Silent Night. So everybody stand up, and Caleb and the band will lead us in Silent Night and take some time to show some love to the people that you're closest to. Let's sing. Silent Night oh. Shepherds quake, ramp the 
enough to know that some of you are like, ah, we just don't do that. But I'm telling you, you don't want to go into the next year not saying some word of love. You just never know. So go ahead. If you haven't yet, we'll give you one last verse for you to uh, show some love uh, to the people that are closest to you. Is Holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round your virgin mother and child. Sleep. 